2: Love Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host Gregory Turner,
1: and I'm your co-host Brian J Henderson.
2: Brian, do we have a show? We have something that I know is of interest to you, and you do a lot of things dealing with the the topic of what's the show tonight. So, how have you been? Me. Yeah You know, I, I can't
1: complain I'm, I'm a little tired from today But, you know, I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored And I'm ready for this show tonight You know, we have a we have a little different type of show tonight It's something that's just so important And it's something that we really don't pay a whole lot of attention to
2: mm-hmm.
1: You know, but as you'll soon know And you'll soon hear That it's something that is so very needed And it's, it's I mean it's very important Mm -hmm. and you know being in a country that we're in now you know United States of America God bless it but we're so entitled and you know we don't we don't see the you know and I don't want to give away too much of it right now but you know it's just that we're so blessed that a lot of times we don't look at people who are less fortunate Mm -hmm.
2: and you know Brian we see it on television all the time but we see it so much that To the point that we think Okay well our, our fellow American They'll take care of it They'll they'll do their part But there's something that we all can do On our end to help You know we, Of course there's a lot of people out there That's not doing what they're supposed to do But that's not the case tonight That's definitely not the case tonight And tonight's uh, special guest I mean I, When I talked with her a couple times I, I knew immediately that she was doing something. It was her passion, and I just learned so much from her as far as what she's trying to do in another country that I'm not even doing in this country. So it was some. It was definitely a, an, an eye opener for me. And you know, the guests will see Brian that she she definitely definitely has a uh, passion for what she's doing.
1: Yes, yes. You know, I when I first spoke with her, it, you could hear the passion in her voice. I mean, it's just evident. And, you know, it's, it's no, like, smoke and mirrors or anything. What you get from her is just very real. Mm-hmm. And it's very open and very honest and, you know, very sincere.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so I, I, I think people will be in, definitely be informed. Oh,
2: yeah. You
1: know, but for the most part, they'll be enlightened.
2: And oh, yeah. I think
1: this will be a very, you know, eye and ear opening show.
2: I, I, I agree with you, Brian, because... A lot of people, we just, you know, we just don't know what it's like in another country. We come home, we go to work, we get up, we can apply for promotions on our job, we can just go to the grocery store. But in some other countries, that's not the case.
1: Right, that's right. just not the case. You know, I was thinking about today, I was uh, I coached the local football team, and I was thinking about how there was a kid that... Um, on the flag football team that practices on the same field as we practice on, mm-hmm. there was a kid who had a cup of water. So he took about two sips of the water, and he poured the rest out. It Im- immediately brought me back into the mindset of uh, tonight's show. Mm-hmm. And I said, he did that because he doesn't realize how fortunate it is for him to be able to pour that water out. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was telling, there was a parent there, and I was telling her, I said, he doesn't know how blessed of a country he lives in. That's why he poured the water out.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know. But without any further ado, we'd like to introduce you to our guest, our special guest tonight. Well, first of all, our show tonight is called We Can Do More. We Can Do More. And our special guest is Leela and she's an actor and founder of Make a Change, an organization to assist AIDS, uh, AIDS orphans in Kenya. And we're going to introduce her in tonight.
0: Hi. So, Layla, are you there? <laughs> I am. Hi. What a lovely introduction. Hi, Layla. Thank, Thank you. Yes.
1: We'd like to formally welcome you to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Yes.
2: yes.
0: Thank you very much.
2: We're going to have fun tonight. We're definitely going to have a lot of fun. So, Layla, how did you come up with this company? How did you come up with We Can Make a Change? How? What was it that you saw in your life that made you want to reach out to another country?
0: You know, I, I'm not exactly... I've thought about this and I'm not exactly sure. The best I can come up with is um, that when I was a, a young person, I lost my father and I had my mother and yet it was a very difficult loss. I was 12. Mm-hmm. And I think as I got older... And I started to learn more about AIDS orphans in Africa. And I started to think about, what is that to lose both parents? And then I started to learn more. Mm-hmm. What is that to lose both parents and not have school and not necessarily have a roof over your head and not have food and potentially have AIDS? And it starts, you know it's a com- very compounded issue. And um, I, d- I just took an interest. And the more I looked into it, the more I realized how much we have here in the United States and um, Western com- countries in general, and um, how much I can probably do with what I've got. I- I'm not a, a rich person here in the United States. I, I'm, I'm doing okay, but I'm, I'm, I'm right in the middle, I think. But we're, we're in the top, I think, 1% wealthy, wealthiest mm-hmm. people in the world. Mm-hmm. So we can easily go over and make a huge difference in children's lives who don't have anybody.
2: Yes. Yeah. So
0: I guess it sparked from when I was a a child and I first lost one of my parents and it just went from there.
2: Hmm. Do you get a lot of support from people? Um, Do you have a lot of people supporting what you're doing?
0: I had a good support network around me. I joined a coalition for sustainable Africa in Los Angeles, and Mm -hmm. we're a coalition made up of nonprofits that want to find sustainable solutions to African-based issues. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a wonderful support system from those in the humanitarian world um outside of the humanitarian world i've yet to tap into a a good deal of support from the public Hmm.
1: yeah you know i was when you when you were talking about you know your past you know how important do you believe it is for us to really see what's going on in africa i mean we see it on tv and you know and you and i talked about this before but we see it on TV, and they try—you know—you see the, you know, the super duper extreme because they try to affect an emotion out of you, right. you know. But what is it really like when you go over there? Is it absolutely like that what we see on TV, or is it, mm. you know, slightly different?
0: Well, it's kind of a tough question because there certainly are elements that we see on TV that are true. Um, one of the movies, actually, I should. The, I don't know if you've seen The Constant Gardener, but that's a movie that kind of stirred me to action when I was looking at the way in which people were living in, in this neighborhood focused in Constant Gardener called Kibera. And it lo- and I did go into Kabira last year, and it looks exactly like that. The thing I think that the, ca- that the cameras don't capture are the families um, that are made up of uh, widows who have lost their husbands to the disease, children who have lost their parents who are spending time with their neighbor or their schoolmates or their volunteer teachers. There's, there's, they make up families there in, in that sense, and they enjoy their life, to the, at least the children enjoy their life to the fullest in a way that I don't remember enjoying my life when I was five, six, seven, and 8. So that part I don't think is captured very well because the media wants people to see how, how destitute the situation is on the most basic level, hoping to urge people to action. Um, I don't think that they feel like they have the room to show the beautiful pieces of Africa.
1: You know, and what also, and I was talking about this earlier, um, when I was talking about the child that poured the water out,
0: Mm.
1: you know, I can remember watching this documentary and it had uh, the rapper Jay-Z in it, and it was the Water for Life Mm -hmm. project or something they had going on, and... He you know it showed how these children would literally have to walk for miles and miles down the side of a mountain, sure, just to get a couple of gallons of water from the river, and it wasn't clean water it was right out of the river
0: yeah, a lot of times even if it's yeah a lot of times the water's not clean and you can walk five or six miles and 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 you still have to try to find some way to filter it. Some children are getting sick in different parts of Africa because they're trying to to drink this this clouded disease-ridden water because they don't have a choice.
1: Right, you know, and it and it just showed, and, and it kind of brings tears to your eyes when you see that because that was the reality. It wasn't like when you see it on TV and it shows the, you know, the starving African child. It was these kids, and this was an everyday thing. Mm. They, you know, for lunch, you know, you, they get a couple of them. Most of them are like 8, 9, 10, 11 years old and they all walked down the side of this mountain. And it wasn't like an easy walk. It was like a four-mile walk down the side of a mountain. And then they had these big five-gallon jugs that they were carrying on their head or, you know, carrying on their arms, and these were, you know, little kids. Mm -hmm. And even Jay-Z, as he's walking down with them, he's like, how much farther, how much farther, you know? (laughs) And he tried to carry the jug, and after about a mile, he was completely exhausted and so the kids say well give it to us we do this every day <laughs> and he and he talked about how humbling of an experience it was because here it is, this little child who's supposed to be enjoying the fun of being a kid mm. is literally you know having to be thrust into the the role of an adult of a, you know and being the role of a provider right because what they were doing was they were getting water so that the other kids could wash up for lunch, could use the restrooms, you know, because they didn't have running water at their, you know, at the play, at the
0: school. Right.
1: You know, so give me an example of something that you all, that your organization does. And your organization, again, is called?
0: Make a change.
1: Make the change. Make a
0: change. <laughs> Make a change, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, our main objective right now, is to infuse a local community in Kenya, the community is called Machakos, with the resources that they need to create a self-sustainable village for AIDS orphans. Um, When I went to Kenya last year, I happened to meet with this amazing church group called the Redeemed Gospel Church in Machakos, and they're working outreach with AIDS orphans on the street, and they really wanted to create a village. And I had had a similar idea before meeting them. And after discussing things, we decided we would work together to do this for the children. Um, the self-sustainable village will have a micro enterprise program. Um, we're looking at a village solar oven right now. So that the idea of this project is not to run something for the rest of my life, or the rest of Make a Change's life. It's to set people up with that which they don't have now so that they can do it themselves. And then release all you know, hands tied to it and, and let them make it grow. And, and the self-sustainable portion of it is um, mainly the microenterprise so that they can take in money to both pay themselves to have salary but as well as to put more money back into the village and house more children and that kind of thing. Our plan is to put widows with orphans in small houses so that they have guidance and they can create little families with the widows and then of course provide water food shelter guidance care uh we want to have things like sports activities we're going to start really small to make sure it's done really well and have it set up with a system so that in time as more money comes in and more resources are available it can grow and grow mhm
2: are are you with with when you go there are the people as welcoming to you to 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 your ideas and the things that you um that you want to try to accomplish the things that you're doing there?
0: Oh, yeah. I, 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 I'm very impressed with the, with the people there in general in this respect, and especially this group. Um, this group, for example, I went and I met with them about a year and a half ago now. We've been emailing as I've developed this, this um, as, uh, Make a Change as an Organization and started fundraising and doing all those kinds of things. And just recently they sent me a 30-page uh, proposal of what they think we should do Um, using my ideas and their ideas, and they came up with this this fantastic proposal for this village. And the point being is we just talked about it a little, and they've been having weekly meetings growing, um, adding to it, adding to it for the last year and a half. They're very um, encouraged, and they're very – they couldn't be more for what we (laughs) want to do. I I have no doubt that anything that I'm able to do – them, they will take and do ten times more with it than what I had hoped.
1: All right, right. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and our guest tonight is Leela. I'm going to say actor and humanitarian <laughs> Leela, <laughs> and she's the founder of Make a Change. Leela, you know, I can already tell your pa- I can hear the passion in your voice when you talk about it. And when you talk about the efforts that you're doing, tell me with what you've already done, you know what kind of what kind of feeling do you get when you look on the faces of those who you've already helped, and they're smiling and they're happy, and you know if you've actually you know given them something that they would have never experienced had you not had the vision and the dream of creating your foundation?
0: um. Well, I feel on purpose. I feel, on a very personal level, I feel on purpose. I feel like I'm fulfilling. It's it's not, you know, it's tough because it's not an obligation for us because we've been born into a wealthy society to give. But to me, I won't say that for other people, but for me, I feel like I'm getting the chance to give back a little bit of what I've been given in this lifetime. Um, in terms of resources, and it, and then of course it feels it feels good um, but I also ache to have this village done tomorrow, you know <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so although I feel good about it, i uh want for more and more and more and more to be done for the people but i i just i I feel like i'm I'm fulfilling what I should be doing as somebody who who's just been brought into such wealth in the United States we're so you know from schooling, you know, it, 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 you know, an interesting concept to me is that we're not allowed to have orphans on the streets here. It's amazing. I've come across people who say, well, what about orphans here? We, and, and that's not to be discounted, and everyone needs to go where their heart takes them. Right. And there are children here who need help, of course, but we can't. We're, we're fooling ourselves if we try to equate the two, because here it is illegal to leave your child on the side of the street and drive away. Right. You will be arrested for that, yes. whereas in Kenya and a lot of other African countries, the parents are dying, the children are on the street, and that's the end of it. There's no system set up to take care of that child. There's nothing illegal about leaving the child on the street. I mean, you, it's, you know, it's a completely different system. There's, there's not public education after secondary school. And for primary school, the children have to pay a number of uh, a lot of money for different fees. So a lot of kids can't even go to primary school. So they're not. No teachers are looking after them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an entirely different situation. I don't know how I went off on that.
2: You know, I, I, I bet it was a, a a challenge for you, or can I say a shock when you you know to see kids on the street without any parents. You know, and coming from this country, like you said, it's illegal to do. To do that, but when you're there, what was the what was it like? What was the shock like for you to, you know, come to come from a country where things are pretty much set in place, but to go there when everything is just wide open and, and it just seems like everything is just falling apart. How was that for you?
0: Um, I was pretty much in awe. I suppose um, a lot of the children, unfortunately, have taken to being on glue, which they sniff, mm-hmm. and as a result, they're very glassy-eyed, so there are, you know, tons of children on the corner of the street, completely glassed over in their eyes, just vacant stares, and then that's not all the children, but it's, it's a lot of them, um, but it also, I have to say, as I look around and I see that, I think how much opportunity we have to do something, because I used to think at the beginning, well, you know, I only have a bachelor's of uh, science. I don't have a graduate degree. What can I possibly do? But when you realize how destitute the situation is, you realize you can do a lot because we're talking about the bare bones basics for most of these children. Mm -hmm. So when you look around and see the way it is, um, I feel like I can really do something. And I, and I, and I feel optimistic that, average people from our country can really do something on the most basic level Mm -hmm. Um, because it is so hand-to-mouth. It's so just helping people out with something to be able to get them a few shillings a week for food Mm -hmm. is a great thing. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So I I guess I should, should be more shocked than I was, but I think when I was there, my mind, I was so on purpose that my mind was going a million miles a minute of how can... How can I do something here?
2: Yeah, what are some of the, what would you say are the uh, bigger challenges that that you're facing right now, and what are some of the things that you need to help you accomplish uh, your goal?
0: Um, the number one challenge that I'm meeting at the moment is funding. Yeah. Um, I've done really well in terms of anchoring myself with some really wonderful organizations, humanitarian organizations, who have offered to help in a numerous different ways. When I was in Africa, I met with African Medical Research Foundation, who's agreed to train different people as the village progresses on how to care for children, HIV, AIDS education, things of that nature. So I'm really set up in terms of what to do next, what do I need to do the next thing. However, unfortunately, money is something that I need. (laughs) (laughs) One of the very next things on our plate is to purchase land for this village, and land costs money. So um, I'm in the process of, of fundraising, and that's the number one Thing, uh, in terms of a challenge. The challenge seems to be that a lot of people feel that they already have um, a charity, so I, I really need to find a way to let people know about this one and <laughs> how people choose this one. If they feel that they can support only one, th- that they can consider this one.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. So do you, are, you, are you getting a lot of... Uh, I'm sure you're getting all types of responses from people when you're you know you're trying to get raise the money what what are some of the responses that you're getting
0: um, positive and negative
2: yes yes
0: um, I,
2: the reason i say the reason I say yes for for the negative i I hardly ever deal in the negative but we you know we need to clear some things up about um you know people going over to 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 Africa and working and you know it's it, it's just like if someone was working with the Red Cross and they're asking you for your money, you don't know what they're doing with it, right? You know, but with what you're doing, you actually see and know that the money or the, or the funds are being used for the right reason.
0: Right? Yeah. What one that is actually something I really want people to understand. The benefit when you're dealing with a small, small organization is that I can be directly contacted. <laughs> and that's not the usual thing and the um the myspace gets updated as anything happens and so people can see video photos um when the next trip to africa i will be blogging probably every two days
2: Mm -hmm. here's what's
0: going on here are the photos um here's our progress and that's a, a very direct way that people can find out exactly what's going on and this This project really is about one person plus one person plus one person making this happen because I can't do it on my own. I certainly don't have the money (laughs) to buy a borehole and a solar oven and land and all those kinds of things, but together we can totally get it done, and each person who participates is truly a piece of really making it happen because without the people that are coming together, it's not going to happen. Um, And they can really take pride in I helped create this village for these children and Eventually, if people really get inspired, they could. it's not the kind of thing where you've got this large infrastructure preventing you from directly getting involved. Down the road, there could be opportunities to go out there, and there certainly will almost always be the opportunity if people want to take it upon themselves to go visit what it is that they've participated in, and that's not something you can always do either. Um, in terms of the negative, I have received a couple people writing me on MySpace saying that um, I should – uh, be shamed for the fact that I am uh, taking advantage of people's kind hearts that there are a lot of African scams um, and that, that's just not the case here and I think that they're probably confusing my project with uh, the Nigerian uh, money scam.
1: Um, there's
0: plenty of ways to check on my organization and interestingly enough when I had written this person I had provided different stories that have been written about my project, background on myself, my fiscal sponsor information, etc. Um, but he chose to not read any of it and said he would not go to any lengths to read about the organization and that he just knew that I was a scam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's, that, that is a bit of a tough thing as well because if people won't do the work to look into you, how can you show yourself to be legitimate?
1: But, you know, for those types of people that, you know, that just want to criticize and say, oh, okay. you're this and oh, you're that, and they don't want to go out and, you know, and verify the information. Yeah. Why worry about them anyway? Right. You know, because it's clear, it, you know, it should be clear that they have no, you know, intentions of helping out or of being, you know, involved in it. And all they want to do is just say, hey, you're, you know, you're a liar, you're this, you're that.
0: Yeah.
1: You know. But one of my questions was about, uh, have Have you tried to uh, get in touch with, like, any communities of faith or, you know, any faith-based organizations
0: um, that I, are,
1: like, based here that, you know, because I know a lot of churches, they have missionary work, and a lot of them, you know, they want to do mission work, but maybe they don't know anyone over there that they can trust.
0: Right. Um, so I have contacted some. I did get a donation from the Church of Religious Science, which was which was really nice. Um, I have contacted some churches in the Hollywood area, and thus far I've been told one of them, unfortunately, had been one of their, the people at their church ran off with their money, <laughs> and a few, uh, which was terrible in and of itself. He was so sweet and very kind and led me in a prayer prayer. Um, positive things to come for the project, which was really nice. But so far, um, most that I've talked to have already have
2: yeah, already African-based have some organizations
0: oil. that they support. Yeah. And that's not to say that there aren't more out there. I'll certainly continue to go down that road.
2: Okay.
0: Especially, and it's in the. this isn't a religious-based uh, project, but the group I'm working with in Kenya is, is a church group, okay. our church group. So um, it would make sense,
2: too. I was reading on your, on your website about Phase 1. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about
0: that? Sure. Uh, phase 1 is I'm breaking the whole project down into phases uh, to make it manageable and to make it so that when people donate, I can reasonably say the following will be done. So I, I'm not overshooting, but chances are we'll do a lot more in each phase than I'm actually saying. But Phase 1, as of now, is going to Kenya. Purchasing land for this village, Um, just purchasing it alone is a little bit of a process uh, because we need to find the appropriate piece of land that has good growing conditions for vegetables, that has good growing conditions for the trees. I plan on working with the Green Belt Movement, um, which is run by Wangari Maasai, who was the Peace Prize winner a few years ago for um, planting trees. It's an amazing organization, so we need to find the right piece of land that we can um, plant a zillion trees for shade and, and to help us. Uh, I need to, for water, we need to find the right piece of land to be able to access water, whether that means we need to be able to drill a borehole or um, tap into other pieces of, of land who have access to the lake, um, the Kilimanjaro. We saw a piece of land last year that we could, access water from the neighbor's land. And there are different costs that incur with different types of um, water. So (laughs) it's hard to tell where to draw the line because it's such a complicated issue. Basically, we have to find the land. We have to purchase that land. Um, We need to arrange who is going to commit to what uh, with the church group and with myself. We're going to um, go to three different orphanages in Kenya that are doing a really good job so that we can learn from them and figure out exactly How we're going to do this. Um, um, There's a village there called SOS Children's Villages, which are run almost in the identical way that we're planning on doing ours. Um, So we're going to investigate that. We are going to investigate um, with an agriculture expert what we can grow on the land and um, what the probability is of selling it both in Nairobi, which is about an hour away, and then locally as well. Um, Same thing with the baked goods. Basically, phase one is a research and setup phase to get this village going. Um, it's designed so that I have enough information when I come back to be able to go forward and say, okay, this is phase two, here's exactly what we're going to do. And phase two would be we're raising money for this amount of seeds, we're raising money for this amount of trees, we're raising money for this solar oven, um, which Right now I know it to be $10,000, things of that nature. So it's a setup to then move forward. But it's also designed so that they have what they need, this church group, to work on it while I'm gone. Just like when we started this idea a year and a half ago, they now have a 30-page detailed proposal with local people donating money. Um, We get the land. We get the organization. We get the board of directors set. We get all of that down. And I, I can't imagine what they'll get done between phase one and going out there to start the oven and things of that nature.
2: Okay, let's
0: see. Does that wow. make sense? It's sort of a complicated, there's so many things to be done, but that's just the, the summary. And um, on my MySpace site, I should say this, there is a detailed description of phase one that goes into a lot more detail than what I just did now.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was thinking about the... Uh, the project that, um, and I go, I keep going back to that because that's the thing, the last thing I watched. But uh, I keep going back to the Water for Life project that Jay Z was involved in, mm-hmm. and I'm, I probably saying the wrong name on it, but that's what I remember. And do you all uh, have a, like? And I don't know if you have or not. Mm-hmm. Do you all have a process of if you purchase the land, a way to pump the water from the
0: ground. Yeah, that's called the borehole. <laughs> Okay. There's a couple different... That, that's one of the things that needs to be investigated. It all depends on where the land is. Um, one of the people in my support system, which is pretty cool, is an organization called the Simburu Project, and that's in my coalition. And I know a gal who um, drills boreholes in northern Kenya for the Simburu tribe. It's... Um, uh, I think it's, I want to say, like a week-long process, but I know it's $10,000 per borehole. Right. Um. But when we were looking at land a year ago, it would be it would have been as simple as attaching an underground, um, uh, not tunnel. I you know I don't know the right word for it. But the, night, the next door neighbor had water coming from Kilimanjaro, so it would just be a cost for us to build the contraption that we needed to continue that water flow onto our land. In which case, we would not need a borehole. Oh, yeah. Okay, but we're gonna need something like that because again, we're about an hour out of Nairobi. Okay. So it's not um, like here <laughs> where you could just tap into the water anywhere.
1: Right, right. And you know, the thing that um, that I noticed is that when you look at Africa, like on a map, you really don't you you really don't see a lot of places for water. But then when you, like, if you look closer in the map, I, I'm on Google Maps all the time. Not a plug for Google Maps, by the way, but I'll, I, I tend to go out there and look at different places, and I notice that there are lots and lots of rivers and streams once you go, you know, once you get closer into the map on the, I guess, on the the eastern side of Africa. And then it's just, like, absolutely bone dry on the western side. Hmm. And so, do you actually go to places on both sides of Africa, or do you no. just focus on Kenya?
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm starting small. <laughs> I'm starting with what I know is manageable, what I know I can get done with these with the people, and that is in this one area of Machakos. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um. You know, last month, uh, a new statistic came out from the AIDS Council in Kenya that Kenya has 2.4 million orphans right now. Wow. Um. AIDS orphans. So. I'll have enough work to do there for a while.
1: <laughs> and these are AIDS orphans.
0: Yeah, these are AIDS orphans.
2: Wow, Lena, you know, are, are they getting medicine f- for for the AIDS treatment? F-
0: some of them are, and some of them aren't. Um, it's unfortunately, it's it's pretty expensive. Antiretroviral drugs. So um, uh, there are a lot of NGOs there who do give out medicine. However. Um, when you're far away from the city or the major slums, the access to the people giving the drugs um, is not that great. I don't have the exact stats on how many children are getting the drugs, but I can tell you that a good deal don't. They just, they're just cost prohibitive. So it's just a matter of how many people are, are providing them. And, and we're not talking about the Kenyan government. We're talking about Christian organizations and um, UN organizations and things like that. That are going in and providing the drugs and it's amazing because there's a pill that, that pregnant women can take that drastically reduces um, the the rate of the AIDS going to the, the child and yet that's not even being funded for the mothers so I, 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 I met a girl actually who went crazy when she found out about this and started a whole program to just give out this drug to, to pregnant mothers um, all over Kenya because that's not
1: uh, available in general either. Right, right. You know, in, when we talk about the uh, the issue of Asian Africa, you know, there's a lot of myths that mm. are out there. And, you know, a lot of those myths actually help exasperate the problem. You know, I was thinking about how um, when we talked to, uh, there was a coalition of pastors that had gone over there a couple of years ago and they talked about how they learned that a lot of people had had thought that if you went and had sex with a uh, with a virgin, yeah, that you could actually get rid of it. And so there were a lot of men that once they found out, they started raping children. hmm And you know, do you find a lot of children have been abused?
0: Um, I. Personally, have not yet seen that, but I've, again, I only went last year, and I've been doing research ever since. Um, the research that I've read says it's happening all the time, all over the place. Right. I just saw a, a documentary the other day called "Angels in the Dust." fantastic documentary and I highly recommend it to anyone remotely interested in these issues because it does a really good job at exploring all, all different levels of the issue um, and this woman who, ha- who has 250 children um, in-house aid that she's taken care of a huge number of the, of the girls have been raped a large number of the girls um, are sold by their parents to be child prostitutes um,
2: wow
0: a lot of the children have AIDS from being from being raped, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, the girls, unfortunately, at, at least in this documentary in South Africa, I can say, it's pretty horrible the way the way the the young young girls are are being regarded um, in terms of rights. It's, yeah. say, it's and, outrageous. And, you know, it,
1: and it pains my heart yeah. to hear that. You know, because when I when I first learned about it, I'm thinking. You know, these children are already, you know, at, you know, going against great odds. And then for someone to come and violate them yeah. because they made a mistake, you know, and they, they come and violate, you know, an innocent child. You know, if it was an innocent adult, at least that adult, adult could have had, you know, somewhat of a choice or somewhat of a fighting chance. Yeah. But when you talk about a child, you know, it just...
0: You know what, I have to say this, though, it. All this is true, and it's horrible. And so many of these girls, it's not just once. I mean, I don't even know if any, I shouldn't say any, but I would say 98% it's a a common thing in terms of the girls who are being raped, that it's not just one time. Mm -hmm. It's uh, multiple times by family members alone, at least in this documentary. Um, I'll say, though, the children are so resilient. There's this one scene in the film that just shows so much to me. There's this one girl who gets taken in. She, um her she was was she sold? Oh yeah. Um she was being sold by her family to no, her uncle was raping her every week. Um I I don't know the background there except for that she was being raped. And so um this woman brought her into this school program during the day so at least she could or during the weekdays so at least she could be away from her uncle during that time. So she had been beaten down pretty bad. Her mother was very sick. Her father was dying. Um, And one of the people at the school gave her a little present for participating in a dance contest. And she gave it to her, and the the girl looked like she didn't understand what it was. And the woman said, have you ever received a present before? And she nodded her head no. And then the smile that came on her face was maybe the most beautiful smile I've ever seen. And it was amazing that such a small thing could make her feel so good. And, and you could see that she felt valued, she felt special, and she's been abused for the most of her life. And the smallest thing made such a big difference to this girl. She was joyous. It was beautiful. It makes you realize how much of a difference you really can make if you can provide just the smallest thing. And, of course, you know, when I say the smallest things, my goal isn't just to do the small things, of course. But when you see something like that, it makes you realize how much you can do. It was a small little gift, probably worth 10 cents, whatever it was, but it was a gesture that just changed the girl's week.
2: So, Layla, when people that are listening right now, and I'm sure we have a lot of listeners tonight, how can they donate their money to you? Is it a tax-deductible thing? Or, or It
0: is. If you donate by tech, it's tax-deductible. Um, the check goes through my fiscal sponsor, making me a nonprofit with the IRS. Um, there's information on my MySpace, and um, my MySpace is www.myspace.com/makeachangeproductions. And on that site has infor- information on um, how to donate by PayPal or by check. Um, PayPal donations, if they don't go through my fiscal sponsor aren't tax-deductible. So if you'd like the tax deduction, you got to write the check.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, Lila, have you gone around anywhere in California speaking to organizations? Um, I would probably suggest the Chamber of Commerce. or Have you?
0: You know, I haven't done that yet. Um, no. I, I was part of the Pan-African Film Festival with my Coalition for Sustainable Africa, and we did a presentation on AIDS in Africa there. But outside of that, that's a good idea.
1: Glad we can help. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I think it's just very, you know, equally important that, you know, not only do we just talk about, you know, these issues, but that we get involved with these issues. Yeah. You know, Greg and I, you know, there's so many, you know, we've interviewed so many different people and we've talked about, you know, so many different topics but I know Greg, you know, and and I hadn't even asked him this, but I already know that Greg is interested in this, you know, oh, yeah. cuz just like I am. I I want to get involved in some type of way, you know, whether it's monetary or maybe the resources that I may have available to me, you know, or maybe just ideas.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but uh what other groups? And I know you talked about uh a couple groups here. But whatever the groups uh, nationwide, maybe, have you, you know, contacted?
0: Hmm. Nationwide. Most of the people that I'm working with now are in my coalition because we have 20 organizations in my coalition. Okay. And that gives me a lot of resources. Um, yeah, my main allies right now would be um, African Medical Research Foundation and the, and the 20 nonprofits in my coalition. And, um, again, I intend to... I'm um, being connected with the Green Belt Movement in Kenya as well. Um, yeah, I could look into more, but I've got my—I've got a lot of resources at my coalition. We've got specialists in um, eco-sensitive housing materials. We've got specialists in water. We've got um, somebody who built a eco-village for children in South Africa. Um, we've got someone in filmmaking. Um, there's there's a whole there's so many different things represented. And that's the purpose of our coalition is to have a, a place where so many organizations can get together and pull resources and ideas so that we don't have to go out and go one by one by one to people across the country we, repre- or so we represent so much in the room. We, we meet monthly and, and um, by the phone and things like that. But I, 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 I'm sure as time goes on, I'll work with more organizations. I I did connect with an organization recently called Malele. I have a hard time pronouncing it. M I L E L E, Um, and it's a great music group. Who um, all the people in the music group are from Kenya, and they started their own organization to raise money through their music to um, create building uh, houses to create. I'm sorry to create houses for parents who want to adopt a child that are in Kenya. So they work with the government and put the parents through a training program so that they can care well for their child, their new, newly adopted child, and then they put them in a house. So Malele goes all over the country singing to raise money to do that. And fortunately, they're based here in Los Angeles as well. <laughs> so I get to connect with them fairly frequently too. As a matter of fact, yeah, they're the ones who just gave me the new that that came out last month about the orphans. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty well connected. There's it, it's a, That is one beautiful thing about this project is that I've learned that there are so many people really dedicated to the same issues. And once you connect with just a few of them, you find you have a lot of people in common and you meet so many more organizations and you have so many more resources than you ever thought you would have when you started it.
1: Right. You know, I was thinking more so... Uh, when I said resources, I was thinking more of, around the financial oh. resources.
2: Well, the <laughs> financial know, I resources, thinking, I al- know
1: there are a lot of <laughs> uh, like foundations that a lot of these uh, major right. companies have, and they will, and they, you know, and they will, you know, they're they're actually looking for people who to give money to, you know, <laughs> but you have to have a you have to have uh, you know something that's credible. Something mm-hmm. that you know that's actually doing something, because of course you know they do have a lot of people who try to run the scams and all that stuff. But you know that may be an element. Yeah.
0: It may be. I I did look into that at one point towards the beginning, and I found that a lot of foundations would like you to not have a fiscal sponsor, but to be your own five hundred one c three. Right. Um, if there's anyone listening who knows <laughs> of a foundation that doesn't require that, that would be great. And eventually, I may very well have my own 501c3 but right now I'm so small I don't feel I need to become an entire non-profit to do this one project right. but if one leads to another it will likely be something that I should do
2: <laughs> <laughs> how did you come up with the idea of buying land in Kenya
0: well you gotta have land to build a village wow. that's true
2: <laughs> That is that is true but I guess I guess the dream your dream is so big, you know and and that's a wonderful thing that you're attacking it too I love that i I really love the way that you're going about your business and the reason I asked about the land is I guess I can't see your vision, mm-hmm. and you know other people that are out there listening and you know they want to they may want to give uh, money it's kind of hard for other people to see your vision, they can hear your passion, mm-hmm. but it's so hard for other people to um see your vision, but, but what I would say to them is, if you can't see my vision now, go with me and you'll see it over a period of time.
0: Absolutely. I think this is about, you know, I, I, through this process I've realized that as a culture I, I feel like we have a tendency, me included, to go, oh, well, is that really going to happen? Oh, well, why? The, I mean, I can't tell you how many people have said to me, well, why those people? well, why now? Well, why that continent? Well, it's like all kinds of issues and questions and problems with just the idea of going to try to do something. And, and I know that what I'm set up with and who I'm surrounded with, this will be realized. Whether at the end of the day it's because I have to take every last time I can get or if I find another way to do it, this will be realized. I know this, but I, I can see how it can be difficult especially when as a culture it's why this and (laughs) I don't understand and it's so overwhelming and it's such a big project and this and that but I think there's an element of this that's about just wanting to be a part of helping something from the ground up and and helping somebody do something out of the ordinary it is hard to understand I'm sure to a certain degree And, and I'm sure it does sound big you know when you said it's such a big undertaking i guess i guess it sounds big but to me it's really not when you're dealing with people who don't have anything if all we can provide is land that they own fresh water and a way to have food without start, you know starving in between getting food well then we've succeeded and that's that's not what's going to happen it's going to be more than that but just those things alone are so easily doable ten thousand dollars gets you the borehole So if we get $10,000, we can get a borehole. I don't feel feel like it's going to be that difficult. I I think the the fundraising portion of it has been a little difficult, but in terms of the work, it can absolutely be done, and I'm surrounded in my coalition by people who have done it. Good. There's no reason to think that it can't be, uh, at least on the most basic level.
2: I just love your attitude, I tell you. I I just have to applaud you. I I really love the way you're attacking this. It's like... Failure or not doing it, that's not an option.
0: No, it's not. And you know, it's interesting. I think one of the reasons why we feel like it's such a big thing here is because here we know in the back of our minds that even if we just want to start a school, let's say, that's going to require a tremendous amount of money, a tremendous amount of red tape, a tremendous amount of rules and regulations, and we're just not dealing with any of that when we're talking about getting the bare bones basics for survival. And we're also talking about Africa. And, and they, don't, they do have some rules and regulations, but when you're dealing on the level that I'm talking about, they're not going to get involved. It's not, um, you, you know, it reminds me of a scene from Angels in the, in the Dust that I'd like to share, because I've had a lot of people say to me, they, they feel like it's such a big thing, and, and you need so many backups, and you need so many plans, and the truth is, in Africa you just do it. You get the job done. You get there and you do it. You don't sit down and write a book about how you're going to get it done. You just do it. And there's a scene in Angels in the Dust that really exemplifies that. And there's a woman who has been in her house for a month because in her religious belief system, she can't leave her house until her husband's buried and her husband dies of eight, has died of AIDS. So the woman who runs this, this uh, home for children also does outreach, and she goes to the woman's house and says, well, why has your husband not been buried? And she says because they've got him in the cooler um, you know, at the funeral place and that they are charging by the hour, and I don't have the money. So every hour that's going on, they're owing more and more money, and she doesn't have a casket because she can't afford it. So this woman, I believe her name is Mary, says, okay, we're going to raise the money for this casket. We're going to go get him. They raise the money for the casket. They purchase the casket themselves they drive, like, I don't know, 30-minute drive in a truck on a dirt road, help the people at the funeral parlor, carry the dead body from the, the box to the coffin, help them nail the coffin, drive it back, put him in the ground so the woman can get out of her house. Because they respect, you know, as you should, respect local religious beliefs. But my point is, nobody was going to help get this guy out of there. They were going to keep charging this woman hour by hour, and the only way anyone was going to do anything about it is if this woman, Mary, got up and helped them take the body out, put it in the casket, and bury it herself. And that's how it works. And so we're dealing with just such a whole different way of of being there, that things are much more simplistic. We want land. We go look for it. We get the appropriate people to verify that it's legal, (laughs) that it's in fact (laughs) those people's land, and we purchase it. That's it. You know, we want a borehole, same thing. It's not that complicated. And that's probably one of the beautiful things about a project like this, is that it's really not, at this level, at this small level, it's not nearly as complicated as it would be if we were trying to help children here. We've got a lot of rules and regulations set up, luckily, to protect our children here. And in there, there's nothing set up like that. So we can just go in and start giving fresh water to everybody if we want to. And that's not to say that it's, super easy, but it's certainly not past doing.
2: Mm.
1: Right. So, are you available to go and talk to other groups? Absolutely. Good. What, what we'd like you to do now is just give out some of your information, your contact information, so that you know others who may want to give or who may want to get involved, or maybe just have you come and speak sure. can get in contact with you.
0: Okay. Um, well, again, the MySpace, which is the hub of of contact information and of where I get in touch with a lot of people is myspace.com slash makeachangeproductions. Um, My email is L-E-L-A-E-D-G-A-R at sbcglobal.net. And the address to send donations to is on the MySpace as well as the um, PayPal info. Actually, I can just give the PayPal now as well. Our account is T-H-I-S-H-I-R-T-F-A-C-E-O-R-Y. Um, T-Shirt Factory. she <laughs> is in good energy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. You know, this is something that I believe everybody can play a part in doing. You know, we we so often... Don't think about, you know, these children that are over there starving. And you know, we get in our nice big cars, you know, from our nice drive home from our nice big jobs, and we sit in our nice big homes. We plop our feet on the couch. We click a TV on with the remote. We sit back and we watch Monday Night Football. You know, we have chips to the side and chicken wings and the plate and all the while these children don't have a, a pillow mm.
0: to lay their head on.
1: You know, or they have to walk ten miles to get a drink of water where all we do is we, we the type the same water that we spray on our grass, they love to have just a sip of it. Mm. You know, and it—I don't know. I guess my thing is, we have to do something. We have to be that—that that catalyst that stirs up, you know, the emotion in people so that they do want to get involved. Yeah, you know, we have to show them the reality of these things.
0: There's a there's a quote that I wrote down during the movie that that I keep referencing, um, that I saw the other night. That it was one of the last uh, pieces of the movie. It said. Um, they're our children. They're mine and they're yours. We're all going to have to come together as men and as women to say these are all of our children. And I think that that's the key, is if we feel like those children are our children, then of course we're going to be active. And really all children are innocent. You know, all children everywhere that are subjective, that are born into these kind of situations. Um, I don't, you know, they don't deserve to be there, and it's not our fault. But we could certainly do something to help them out and give a little of what we've had, just from being born here.
2: Yes, Layla, when when do you um, plan on going back to Africa?
0: As soon as I have the funding, um, I have the the I, I have a full three weeks of work to do when I go out. So now it's just about being able to go out there. Um, I wanted to go, my intention was to go in October. I'd love to still be able to make October happen.
2: Well, it's going to happen now. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: hope so. Yeah. And, you know, I want to I wanna add this. If people are hearing this and, and, and they want to support this, that would be wonderful. And if they don't feel that this is the right one from them, then I just want to encourage people to look and find something else that is a fit. Because there are plenty of places to plug in. I mean, this is a great place because you get to see exactly what's happening and you can get in direct contact with me, which is very unusual for um, humanitarian projects of this nature. But, you know, so it's a great project, but if it doesn't feel right, you have to do what feels right for you. And there's so many places to plug in.
2: I mean, a simple
0: search online will give you, you know, hundreds of options.
2: Yes. You know, we're going to do everything on our end, Layla Sue's. To, to help you And you know Like I said We're going to email people We're going to email this This show That we've just done We're going to email this out Tonight and tomorrow So please feel free To share it with your friends mm-hmm. But one thing I want you To tell the people is Why should they Give Why should they give From their heart Why should they give
0: Because you can make a difference Because you can make a difference or children who don't have anything who are just waiting for people to give them a helping hand and if we don't do it um, right yeah if we don't do it who, who's going to
2: yes yes that's awesome brian are you there yes i'm here yeah okay <laughs> well i know i know like i said brian this is something that brian loves to you know when you start talking about the hiv aids and awareness that's something that brian does on a uh, on a weekly uh, on a regular basis and I just knew that you guys would definitely connect on what you're trying to do and the things that he loves doing so uh, Brian definitely man we're we definitely going to have to get on board with this and we're going to have to take a trip over there with Layla what do you think sounds like a plan <laughs>
1: that
0: would be great
1: <laughs> sounds like a plan you know Layla, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing with us, you know, what you do and how you're trying to affect change in the lives of children over in Africa, you know. And it's, you know, and most people will look at it and say, well, you know, that's just one person. You know, what can she do? You know, but, you know, that's all it takes. If if you just have one person and then that one person gets one person and that one person gets one person, you know, because it's about networking, it's about you know, building, the op- you know, creating the opportunity. And, you know, you've done that. You've created the op- opportunity that others have now began to help you build that vision, you know, develop that vision, you know, build that village. <laughs> that's right.
0: And you know what? I want to say one child is just as important as one million children. You know, oh, when, when people say one person, well, what can you do? If you have one child. That's better than none yeah. And if everybody affects one child, I mean, that adds up. But even if it doesn't, you know, one child is just as important as if you could help a thousand.
2: Well, i tell you what. I really believe that you're going to get what you're looking for. I really believe that the funding is going to come in. You'll be able to buy the land. You'll be able to go back and forth to Africa as you please. I really do believe that because, I, like I said before, I was telling Brian that, that I just love your attitude so much because nothing can come against what you're trying to do because of your attitude. The way that you're approaching this is just amazing to me. It's just amazing. And, and it's not, I, I think a lot of us, or the people that are listening, should take your attitude when they're dealing with anything as far as life. But we thank you, Layla, for coming on the Abundant Solutions Hour. And I tell you what, you have really blessed us, and you've blessed a lot of people.
0: Thank you so much for having me. We really yes. appreciate it.
2: Thank you for coming on.
0: Okay.